I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Lisa Stewart, an animation producer in Hollywood. After graduating from Stanford University, Lisa began her career in the film business as an associate producer for the Academy Award-nominated Jerry Maguire. Some other credits include co-producer of Almost Famous, the executive producer of Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. She then moved into animation and was the producer on Turbo, Madly Madagascar, Monsters vs. Aliens, and more recently, she was the producer of the original animated musical Vivo, featuring brand new songs from Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creative force behind Broadway smash hit Hamilton. Without further ado, Lisa Stewart. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Todd. Now, before we get started on your Hollywood journey, I want to introduce my co-host and accomplished musician and successful voiceover. In keeping with the Hollywood vibe, one might say he's somewhat of a human blockbuster in his own right. <laughs> my co-host, Tony Oh my Orland. God, he never fails. Tony, oh man. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> so... Hi, Tony. Nice to meet you. Lisa and I go way, way back. So uh, otherwise, you could have never gotten hold of her. She's famous. But I, we go way back with Lisa. And she, uh, Lisa, like I said earlier, it, it, I think it's interesting because when you went, and I won't say your age and date you, you went from right from Stanford to Hollywood, right? You never, you I had east. a, I had a, I never came, be, I never came east. I had a brief stint in San Francisco. Well, basically, uh, you stayed on that coast. Is what yeah, 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 yeah. Which was never my intent when I went out there. My whole, oh. I, my whole thinking of going to Stanford versus an East Coast school in the first place was that I was like, "This is going to be my California adventure," because oh. clearly, I will move to New York when I graduate, because that's where you know, growing up where we grew up, that was the center of the universe. Exactly. And I never thought that I would stay. And then probably around spring of junior year, I was like, "Yeah." I'm going to hang out for a while. Well, but because, I I mean, during the time at Stanford, I mean, I think at Stanford, obviously, is an amazing school, but you're probably kind of a small group who are ready to pursue Hollywood, wouldn't they? Like doing, you know, finance and lawyers and business entrepreneurs. Was it a big uh, entertainment kind of gang? No, yeah. not, not even there. It, at, at, and at Stanford, it wasn't my intent. I oh, It, it okay. was always... It was a fantasy, but it didn't seem like it could be a reality. And it wasn't until I was hanging out in San Francisco for a couple of years, scraping by uh, on being a book publicist, where my father, Charlie Stewart, who you know well, yes, who's a who's a very straight and narrow kind of guy, <laughs> said, uh, "It's time to get." get can you yes. swear on the show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he said it's. He says it's. He said it's time to get your shit together and get a real job that has health insurance and all those good things and a base salary. And I said, okay. And I thought about it and I thought about it and then I said, I'm moving to Hollywood. And he was like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is the opposite. Every of parent's worst And I just, exactly. yeah. And I just thought, you know what? I, th I'm gonna do it. I want. I've always. It's always been a fantasy of mine. I, ha I don't have any idea how to do it, but I, I'm i young. I don't have any 
responsibilities. I'm going to give myself two years and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, I'll, I'll go get a job in advertising. Clearly it worked because you're still there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it's the whole idea of you know, saying, take, going and taking a leap of faith and doing it. And now you're happy you did it. But what, so you got out there and with very little plan or did you have a job lined up or? Oh God, no. Okay. No, I had one contact um, and his name is Will McKenzie. And he was a former actor who became a sort of a, he was a sitcom director. Wow. And I knew him because my mom had dated him in high school. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I remember my mom tells me this, but I didn't, I don't remember this. She said that I said to her, you know, in years or in high school or something, I said, stay in touch with him because I'm going to need him as a contact one day. Oh, and so God, I so decided when I decided I wanted to give it a whirl, I got his address. I wrote him a letter because that's how long ago this was. And I um, said, you know, I'm really interested in the entertainment business and I want to come down and would you meet with me and, you know, recommend me talking to some other people. And he wrote me back and he said, yeah, don't come. It's, it's a, it's really tough business. (laughs) And I wrote him back and said, thank you. I'm coming anyways. And it would be great if you could, you know, Good talk you. to me. And, and so he said, all right, if you're willing to come. And he set me up on a bunch of informational interviews. And I got a script reading job out of that, which, you know, pays nothing. Yeah. I and did I that. did a lot of temp work. And um, and then he eventually cooked me up as a production assistant on a sitcom he was doing. And that was my first gig. And I at that gig rolled into another gig into another wow. gig into an I mean it was truly just that like you got to get your foot in the door. And and I think I was in LA for at least 6 months before that job came up. Well, that's pretty quick. And uh, I actually was actually 6 months. Yeah, but it was you know, I mean it was it was a hard 6 months. Anybody, yeah. But now one of those one of those gigs was Simpson, The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. So the production coordinator on the the production coordinator on the pilot uh, that was her summertime gig, and she was the production coordinator for this uh, company called Gracie Films, which is James L. Brooks's company. Mm-hmm. James L. Brooks, who brought you Terms of Endearment and Broadcast News and all those things. All the great ones, yeah. And he, and she said, I'm working on the Tracy Ullman show, uh, and we need another a set assistant. Will you want to come on it? And I said, I sure do. And so I got that job and that company, and then and they were developing the Simpsons. So when the Tracy Ullman show ended, I moved over and was the assistant to the producer on the very first season wow, of the Simpsons. That's cool. Oh my God. So you, you don't have to mention my age, Todd, but everything I'm saying is dating me wildly. I remember the Tracy Ullman show. That was great. She had a hit, a yeah. hit song and right around that same time too. Yeah. Probably. That was a really fun show. That was because there was like musicals right. and sketch and all that stuff. It was a good show. Um, you- and yeah, so I did that. But so, I mean, going back to the the passion, like it was always a fantasy of yours. Like growing up, you said someday I in the back, way back in your head, you're going, I, I think I want to go to Hollywood. When, when, well, I when, yeah, I was obsessed with movies. I was obsessed with movies and TV shows. I would stay up late at night watching old movies like all the like Burt Lancaster oh and God. Errol Flynn and anything Cary Grant and Myrna Loy and like all that stuff. And I, I loved it all. I I 
ate it up. Every time I went to, I remember as a little kid, every time I went to the movie, I was like, that's my favorite mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> like every time I came out, even the terrible ones. And then I, um, when I was, I got the, I got, what was it? I got the measles when I was 10 and I sat around and I opened up the Encyclopedia Britannica and read everything I could about motion pictures and memorized every Academy Award winning best motion picture. Wow. And wow. made it my, so you... made it my job to go watch them. To... So I, th- I was doing that as a little kid and I was just, you know, I, everything, everything I could read and get my hands on. I just, you know, I loved it, but it didn't ever feel like something a kid from Darien, Connecticut could really. Yeah. What did you major in? So... I was an English major with a creative writing emphasis. There you go. Well, so you could say your passion was a little bit of an obsession too. Like, was well, yeah. I mean, I had I had a lot of other things going on too, but that was just something you know that I just I could I you know I would I would have people quiz me on years on what won the Academy Award, and I'd be like, you know, nineteen thirty nine, Gone with the Wind, nineteen fifty three. You know, now I'm going to fuck it up wow. on the on the waterfront. That's, cool. That's impressive. You know? <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned the old movies because, um, you know, back when we were kids, there were like four channels. So, you know, the, right. now I don't think, I don't think like I, I saw all those movies, John Garfield and, you know, Jimmy Stewart, all the, you know, one of my yeah. favorites is uh, Philadelphia story, but um, right. yeah, the kids now they're not, unless they're really looking for it, they're not going to see that stuff. You know what I mean? True. Oh no, no. I, I, yeah. And I remember like coming home from school and you know, those after those movies that would come on at like four oh, o'clock yeah. in the afternoon sure. when it was, when it was Elvis week, I was sucking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Well, I remember my dad also, when I, uh, got on the first season of the Simpsons, you know, which had not aired yet. And my father was like, I'm so glad I sent you to Stanford so you can work on a cartoon. <laughs> oh, little of that. Yeah. But and I was like, dad, I feel, I feel good about it. I think it's going to be a well, cult hit. Yeah. Still running. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, so, so, but along the way, I mean, you, you, you got there, you had six months, you started doing it. What, it clicked in like this is it. I want to stay here. Did, did and along the way there obviously have been some moments you say, "What the hell am I doing here?" Uh, did you did you always say this is it? No matter what happens, I want to stick with it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if any, you know, now I might be saying that. <laughs> you know, as I approach, as I'm as I get old, you know, sometimes the the challenge of making some of these movies can be a little bit of a grind. But back yeah. then, I was I was so happy. I here's what I do know. I know that when I Got on the Tracy Ullman show. That was a thrill. When I got on The Simpsons, it was fun and I really enjoyed it. But I definitely was like, I want to be on a movie set. Sure. Like I being on a set, you know, when I first got that job as the um, PA on the pilot, I had actually gotten a couple other job offers right around the same time. And one was to be like an assistant on an agent's desk. And the other one was to work at a, as a, you know, development you know, super, super junior development executive at some production company. And I, I was just like, I, I really want to be on a set. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's the set is the kind of thing that I'm looking for. And then I got a little taste of being on the set on the pilot. And then I did those other TV shows. And I was like, I, I want to be on a movie set. I want to, that's, that's, I know I want to be on a movie set. And again, the whole getting your foot in the door thing, you know, 
Cameron Crowe had just done his first movie for Gracie Films, which was Say Anything. Oh, I love that movie. And I was like, and I had seen that, that movie. movie and loved that movie. And I was like, those are the types of movies I want to make. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go meet that guy and I'm going to make him like me and I'm going to make him give me a job, which is essentially what happened. So you really didn't, you had no connection to Cameron Crowe. You literally went and hunted him down almost. Well, he, I had, the connection was he had, he was around the Gracie Films offices because oh, okay. he had done he had done say anything for them. And, um, and I, the second I realized he was around the offices, I introduced myself and, you know, I think there was, I, he, there was somebody, I can't remember somebody I know knew him and I, you know, made that connection with him. And then I just, you know, he was, a, he was a young guy and I, I just, he was super easy to talk to. And I just, you know, was determined to get to know him and talk to him about his movies and talk to him about movies in general. And then I, I knew he was working on a new script and, you know, I brazenly asked him if I could read it, uh, and, you know, and he gave it to me and I gave him my thoughts. And then I said, I think you need an assistant. Oh, good for and, you. And he said, I think you're wow, right. That's great. And that. then, and then I got the job. So well, I, mean, I would say he, I mean, you were pretty lucky. I mean, I, I oh, met yeah. him because of you, because I interviewed for singles, actually, I think, right? I yeah. And uh, he's so nice. He came out in the lobby. I didn't know what he looked like. And I thought he was the delivery guy. He had a t-shirt yeah. on and, uh, and he goes, hey, Todd, it's Cameron. I'm like, oh, you're Cameron. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure and, he was wearing cargo shorts and a t-shirt and yeah, long hair. I'm like, I thought I was like, who's this guy? Oh, my God, he's a director? I mean, you're really lucky. And also you're a part, just to be a part of his movies. I mean, I just actually watched Say Anything not long ago. So I can watch that over. It's an incredible movie. But I think about like iconic movies that you're a part of, Jerry Maguire and and, and then uh, Almost Famous and all that was just great, great movies. And to be a part of, I love telling the, you know, Renee Zellweger, you, you were there in the beginning for her, right? I mean, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm, I was very much her advocate when we were we i mean and we met every single person in town for that role wow and gail levin the casting director and i were from the very beginning like she's the one she's the one she's the one oh my god and she, we're still friends we that's still talk incredible. so i mean so you've been the journey i mean again incredibly fortunate to have that so what made you want to shift or just kind of happen you want to be on a movie set now you if I'm not mistaken, I animated you're in a dark room a lot, right? With uh, animation and editing and all that, correct? Yes. And the shift was a child. Oh, okay. Having a child, you know, the, 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 you know, I'm a single parent and the unfortunate reality of uh, the business is that, you know, you making live action movies are, you know, typically shot out of town. Sure. Um, they are, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy hours. And you never can be sure of when something's going to go and, you know, if it's going to go. And when I, you know, when I had a kid, I needed stability. Sure. And I mm -hmm. wanted to continue to work in the business. And I, I actually... Interestingly, I didn't pursue animation. I got a call about doing it. And I remember thinking, why, why, what do I know about animation? I can't do animation. And this was before my daughter was born. And um, 
And somebody, a friend of mine called me and said, you know, you want, would you consider producing an animated movie? And I'm like, I don't know anything about animated movies. And at the time I was working on a movie with Chris Rock, who of course is the voice of Marty in the Madagascar movies. And this was a, you know, call from DreamWorks animation, which has made those movies. And I remember talking to him like, should I, should I take the meanies? Like do the cartoon, man. They're great. (laughs) Do the cartoon. He is so funny. And so I went and met with Jeffrey Katzenberg. And I said, I, you know, I don't really know the language of animation. I mean, even though I'd done The Simpsons, it was, you know, my role was very different and it was a hundred years before. And uh, Katzenberg was like, do you know how to manage people? And I said, I do. And he said, do you know how to manage a story? And I said, I do. And he's like, you'll figure out the rest. Well, that's great. And I said, okay. And so I did that. uh, And I finished you know was on, and i thought it's also you know animated animated movies take three or four years to make yeah and so that seemed like a lifetime when you'd been going from movie to movie to movie set in live action and i was like oh my god this is like the steadiest gig i've had yeah. in i don't know how long and and i thought oh i'll just do the one and move on and and then my daughter was born right after i finished monsters versus aliens and they, you know, they, it was just such, they made, they wanted me back. They made it worth my while. It was so much easier to have a kid and have that kind of steady job. When she was one, I went and did this other movie called This Means War. And I could do that because she was portable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I could pick her up and take her to Vancouver, bring the nanny. And, you know, the first, when, when they called me about doing that movie, I, the first thing I said is I have to call my nanny because <laughs> if she can't go to Canada with me, then I can't do it. And she could. And so then I went and did it. And then, you know, and then I came back to do another movie over DreamWorks animation. And it's, you know, the fact of the matter is, is you, it's still creative. It's still telling stories, but you can go to the, your kid's school play because it takes four years to make these things. And so you can schedule your life around it. And so the like, it's not like you stay every night, all night working. No, on it. it's it's really no, it's like a it's a nine to five ish, but not really, but something like yeah, that. something like that. So when you we talk about like obviously having a kid, but when you go back, what what has been the biggest change for you other than a child? Like from the beginning when you this passion began at the Simpsons or Tracy Ullman, what do you feel the what's the different Lisa at twenty two three? versus now where what's the biggest change uh, in the industry and in you you feel like um i was a real sponge when i was a kid on a set and it was you know i made it a habit to talk to every single person about every job they did hmm. spend time in every single department you know, whether it be wardrobe or hair and makeup or casting or, you know, a lot of time with the ADs, you know, hung out with camera departments, everything just so I could really understand what everybody's job was. It, I don't I do that less in animation because it's a far more technical yeah. gig. You know, there's the I, I can't I mean, I know what surfacers do. I know what the animators do. I know what the lighters do. You know, I under I understand what the riggers do, but I can't I can't imagine I don't like it's a whole other world building these things inside sure. a computer. Um, 
and the other thing that's different is that you know the volume of content yeah everything is you know as as there's a million streamers there's yeah. a million shows on television there's a million movies that come out every year it's it's different now i mean it's you know a movie like Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous, those were zeitgeist movies. You know, yeah. they they hung out there in the ether for a long, long time and are still movies that people or people of a certain generation can reference. It's it's not like that anymore. There's just fewer there are fewer and fewer of those movies. So you felt the change out there. I mean, you're is it Hollywood's getting a bad rap or still a great place to be? And and have you become a bit, dare I say, jaded or you're just <laughs> I think we're all a bit jaded. I think we're all a bit wondering. It's just not the same business right. anymore. It's just definitely, it's just not, you know, my, my, my best friend uh, who lives across the street, who's Gracie's godfather, he's a producer as well. And, you know, we talk about it. It's just, it's a different business now. It um, There's still a lot of, there's still a lot of great content. The process of making these projects is, um, all right, here actually here's 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 a way to think about it. I at this point in my career, back in the early days of my career, I desperately wanted to win an Academy Award and I was fortunate enough to work on a couple movies that won Academy Awards. Yeah. I don't care about that anymore. Like I don't I think that I I care about assembling a crew of people that I care about and that I want to work with that make me laugh. And I care about putting out a project, a, a content that I can be proud of that makes kids laugh. Oh, wow. Like okay. that's, that's what I care about now. I don't, I don't care about fame or fortune or anything like that. I care. I try very much to care about enjoying the experience of making the thing. That's the, the maturing side of you because when I, I had the same thing I wanted to just go to Hollywood and win an Academy Award. Well, I had my speech ready and everything. It was very short <laughs> to my because because my, my parents didn't want me to go. Uh, and I said, I was going to hold up the, the trophy and say, Mom, Dad, is this good enough? And then walk yeah. away. <laughs> uh, very simple writing. Didn't need, didn't need a piece of paper oh, how, for that How'd one. that all work but, out? Uh, uh, well, I, I'm here. Uh, I'm on a podcast. Um, it's a tough town, man. So, you know, when you see the credits, there's like a lot of producers. So there's associate producer, yeah. producer, executive producer. Who does what? I mean, what 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 are those things? Or, or do, are they different for each film? They're different for each film, and they're different. Like, the, all right, there's there's a couple producers, executive producers on Vivo who I never met. Those are okay. money people. So a lot of times there's, you know, a lot of times executive producers are um, just outside financers mm -hmm. who throw money at the project and they are, you know, valuable because they help the project get made, but they're not actually right. part of the process of making the I think that's what the movie. Broadway, Broadway is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Associate producers are generally like up and coming mm -hmm. producers, people that are learning that, you know, they're attached to somebody. And like I was attached to Cameron and I got an associate producer credit on Jerry Maguire. It was my first credit. And it was like me saying like, I want to, I want to eventually produce. And this is, you know, I'm going to do all this stuff for the show and I'm going to get this credit. Um, for me, I'm a creative producer. So that means I am basically the co-captain with the director and I am involved in 
from the very outset. I'm involved in hiring a writer, mm-hmm. working with the writer and director, shaping the story, hiring various crew members, bringing in, you know, working with the casting director to figure out who's going to cast it. I'm the liaison with the studio. I'm there in the cutting room when after we've finished making it or, you know, or in animation, I'm in the cutting room throughout the process mm-hmm. of making it. Uh, and I usually work with another producer who's more of a line producer. That's the person that does the scheduling and the budgeting and and also does a lot of crew management. And we partner. So like on Vivo, Michelle Wong, is, we're both producers on it. And she and I were, you know, sort of at the hip partners. I was more overseeing the credit or the creative stuff. She was more overseeing the sort of the right. day-to-day production management side. But I have a hand in all of that and an opinion in all of that. But, you know, it's and then there's, you know, some sometimes a, a producer is on a live action movie is the actor's agent mm-hmm. yeah. you know, or actor's manager. You know, it's there's a lot of different interesting, a lot of different producers. But I am typically the person that is there from the beginning to the end hand in hand with the director if this wasn't your journey what could you imagine what would you have done otherwise you flashed the moment of advertising but truly what was the backup plan uh, or there was none or what would you what, what do you see uh, I some you know I mean from a practical standpoint something in um, in some creative adjacent you know magazines advertising advertising, stuff like that i worked at a magazine right after i graduated i mean i could just something that produced some sort of creative content now i um my fantasy transition is to go work uh for women's sports like if uh, there's a side of me that said if i did something over you know because there's so many more professional women's sports now yeah a big part of the reason i didn't want to be a writer and wanted to be on set as a producer. It was because writers are a solo mm-hmm. act and I always wanted to be a part of a team True. and making movies is very, very much about teamwork. Yeah. And I, as a, you know, former athlete who played two sports wow. at Stanford, I, you know, being part of a team was hugely important to me and is today still hugely important to me. So this is obviously is truly your calling because you can't imagine anything else other than what you just referenced. So you you found your passion and you stuck with it. It's really playing out nicely. I mean, after this, you mentioned going to women's sports. You see what's the future hold for Lisa Stewart in the Hollywood business and animation. Is it going to go uh, how much longer? Are you going to go into something with women's sports or you f- feel this is uh, it for a while? I know. I think I'm, uh, I think I'll, you know, I'm going to ride this out. I, I'm a late blooming mother. I'm going to ride this out till my kid goes to college. And How old is she I, now? She's 12. Okay. So you got some time. I got some time. I'm going to ride this out till she goes to college and then maybe I'll have some sort of second act. I don't know. I, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's still, a, it's still a very, in, in, you know, the grand scheme of things, it's still a very good job. Sure. It's still it's a job awesome. that is creative and um, satisfying and, you know, just like Vivo, I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been doing this job for a long time. I, I feel like an, a bit of an elder statesman these days, but doing a job like Vivo was thrilling because A, I got to work, I got to work with Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. Miranda, That's amazing. Yeah. you know, I mean, he's one of the great 
talents of our Definitely. generation, yeah. of any generation. And he was, and he fit the billing, man. He was great. I learned so much. It was thrilling to work with him. I'd never done a musical before. I, I got to, I learned things at this late stage, which was really exciting. So it's, you know, I mean, there's still a, a lot of, of exciting stuff to be gleaned and gained from this kind of job. And you just like, everyone loves a story and you're there telling stories constantly. I think it's fantastic, you know, I mean, yeah. because other, you know, the live action, like Almost Famous and Jerry Maguire, those are stories. But as you said earlier, the animation, I'm telling stories. It's just different. You know, yeah. it's the same thing. And your casting is more, you do the voices and that's kind of fun. That session with, you got a lot of celebrities in there at the same time doing all the voices or just, it's kind yeah, of a random sampling those- that comes in. Those are those sessions working with the actors are you know still the funnest part of, of bet, the bet. job, and they probably love that gig. It's not a oh, yeah. I can't imagine it's a very long gig for them to do. You go in it, there, you know, it takes years too, but it takes it's you know in and out a, in a and four out. hour session here, right? You know, right. three months later, a two hour session there. Mm-hmm. You know? Final words going back to the gray matters passion and some final words for our listeners about their journey. Any thoughts that you want to throw out, not to get too philosophical. We're not a self-help podcast, but any final thoughts to share about people's journey and maybe like making changes and things like that, but just random, whatever comes up. Try and stay supple. Try Hmm. and, um, and welcome change when it comes. Ah. I, I like think that's that. the thing. I mean, you know, I never would have thought I would be producing animated movies, but uh, I enjoy it. And, you know, maybe when my kid goes back, maybe maybe my second act when my kid goes to college is to go back into live action. Yeah. You know, have a couple more adventures on faraway locations. That's that just, awesome. just, you know, just got to be open to it. Yeah. Be open well, to be open to the twists. But uh, Lisa, it's really a pleasure, and, and you'll be getting my voice over real soon. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. And uh, both of you, both yeah, of you, exactly. There you go. All right, no, Tony. All right. Else? It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's really great to talk to you. Thanks, Lisa. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gray Matters Podcast. Please rate and review it, and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org. And please subscribe to The Gray Matters wherever you get your podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Lisa Stewart, my co-host, Tony Hoyland, and a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington. Until next time.